thinking of moving to the UK but don't know where to start? Overwhelmed by the information coming your way after a recent Google search? Baffled by visa requirements or worried about how your kids might handle it? Fear not. Written by a seasoned mover who's been there, done that and even brought back the tea towel, Sam Beck-Bessinger will hold your hand in this end-to-end guide to moving from South Africa to the land of tabloids, tweeds and terrible weather. Inside, you'll find helpful tips, funny anecdotes, and a thorough to-do list to keep you on track. This guide covers everything from the practicalities of finding a job and a place to live to the cultural quirks of British life, equipping you with everything you need to know about fitting in. In this episode of PageCast, author of the book, Sam Beckbessinger, chats with the hilarious Jenna Berkowitz, content and social media specialist and recent expat. Enjoy. Hi there, and welcome to this week's episode of PageCast. My name is Jenna Berkowitz. I'm a South African content creator and TikToker. Some of you may have seen my videos or recognize my voice, but today I'm coming to you as a fellow expat and a South African who has recently moved over to the UK. I will be your host for the next 45 minutes, and today I'm sitting down with Sam Beck-Bessinger. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah. Did... Close it up. Close Be- it up. Um, yeah. Big messenger. Big messenger. Yeah, yeah. Close it up. And we rehearsed this about <laughs> nine times before. <laughs> I knew it. No, it's not your fault. It's uh, I blame my ancestors. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> we Don't we all? Don't we all? For, for so much. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm sitting down with you today. Um, let me just give our audience a little bit of an introduction about who you are. Why are we here? What are we doing? So you wrote the book, your first book, How to Manage Your Money Like a Effing Grown-Up, which I feel as a grown-up-ish, mm. I need to read. <laughs> I need to get on that after this one. Mm. Sam is a woman of many talents. And when she's not making wise financial decisions, you can find her teaching creative writing at Bath Spa University or writing for kids' television. She grew up on a farm in Durban with a pet donkey, that sounds amazing. He was so cute. That sounds amazing. My whole life trajectory has been downward from that point. Oh. From, you know, now I just have this really like terrible cat, <laughs> much less thrilling than my pet donkey. We can swap it out at some stage with the donkey. It's a, London flats are small, bruv. <laughs> <laughs> no donkeys there. No donkeys. No donkeys there. No. So let's just get into it. Mm. So, as two fellow expats, who are now living in the UK. Uh-huh. One of my regrets, I guess, before moving is not having this book with me because let me just tell you, as someone who's four months into this move, I'm in the pits oh. and I wish I had this guide because it is so, it's just brilliant. Thank it really you. is just brilliant. What have been, what have been the, the most difficult surprises in your first four months? At the top of my head, probably just maneuvering this new life Mm. because I think a lot of people have a bit of a war perception of moving from South Africa to London. Mm. Everything works. Everything's amazing. Everything's hunky-dory. Oh, yeah. All my life problems will be solved. Exactly. Just get on a plane. Easy peasy. (laughs) And I think once you're there realizing that it's not all that and the grass isn't actually greener on the other side. And I think a lot of the stuff that we have given to us in South Africa is taken for granted. So that's probably been one of the hardest parts, Mm. but it gets better. Mm -hmm. As we we know in the book, it gets better. (laughs) 
So, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, are you appreciating the gift that I brought with me? The weather from London? I, I thought maybe you were missing it, you know? Do you know what? I was in the heat wave. Okay. So, I'm actually glad that it's a little bit cold now because I can wear jerseys and, and jackets Wonderful. for two days, which has been a dream. Can I, so, you clearly have gone a little bit native in London because you, we've just spoken about the weather. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else is there? The weather and The weather, cues, <laughs> foxes. Foxes. Oh. As I said, this is just a brilliant book. And Thank as you. we say in Judaism, we say kola kavod to you. Thank you. And to everyone who is about to move to the UK, I highly recommend this book. So let's get into it. Let's discuss. As we said before, I think a lot of people have a bit of a war perception mm. about getting up and moving to the UK. Let's discuss what do you think the basic, basic essentials are. What advice would you give someone who's considering moving, mm. doesn't really know if this is for them, mm-hmm. who's still in, let's just say, stage one? Yeah. So I mean, that's a great way to put it. So the book's divided into four sections. And the whole first section is basically, how do you think about the choice to move? Um, because I think it is as you said, it's really not, it's not objectively better than South Africa. I think South Africans, some people have this idea that moving to a different country will solve all of our problems, but it really doesn't. It just, it, you trade some problems for different kinds of problems, right? And I think if you really dig into why people really move, you often find that it's it's kind of a very personal story because moving is so hard. Very few people do it on a whim, especially those of us a little bit older. It costs so much. It and not it, it very it costs a lot of money, but it also just costs so much of your time. You lose your your support system. You you lose your knowledge about how to do things in the world, and you like you're, you're like a tiny child who has to learn to do to be an adult all over again in a new place. You don't know how to do anything. You don't know how to see a doctor. You don't know how to like. I, <laughs> I bought a car because we were living in Cambridge when we first moved, and for the first two months, I was too scared to drive it anywhere because I hadn't figured out how to fill it up with petrol. I was too. <laughs> Can't ask anyone. So just like you feel like a fool all the time, basically. Just so that everyone is aware, in the UK, you have to fill up your car with petrol on your own. It's a nightmare. And a it's nightmare. Not fun. <laughs> not that I've done it, but I've seen it being done. Yeah. And I'm like, how? How do yeah. you know when to stop? Yeah. Are, no, impossible. Impossible. Yeah. And also, like, where do you pay? And also, people just like legit leave their car keys in the ignition <laughs> and then get out the car and go to the place to pay, which is just very weird. As Could never like, be us. Could never. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, petrol, petrol aside. Um, I think the important thing that I say to people is you really need to know what your reasons are for going. And I think what really helps is to have some pull reasons, not just push reasons, right? So I think where, and what I mean by that, it, moving to the UK was right for me because there were things about the UK specifically that were a draw. It wasn't just a sense of, I need to move out of my life here. You know, in fact, my life, I was living in Cape Town, was pretty blooming great, beautiful. actually. Pretty great. The had, dream. Exactly. The dream had a beautiful flat, had wonderful friends, um, you know, have family nearby. Um, but I think there were things there were things that were pulling me. There was excitement. And I think you need to know what you're excited for because otherwise it, it's just too hard. And when you're in kind of the, the, the dark well of despair in the first couple of months, <laughs> not so over high power hard it is, uh, you're, the dark well of despair you're still in four months in, you know, you need the pits. The pits. <laughs> as us as, as Gen Z likes to call it, the, the pits. pits. Exactly. You need to know what are those, th- you need to be able to hold on to those things of like, this is why I'm doing this, you know. This is the this is the hope that I have for this. 
Um, and I think what that hope is, it's different for every person. Um, but, you know, as you say, South Africa is a really special place. And I, I don't think, and the UK is also very special. It also has problems. So I think you have to know exactly what it is that's drawing you there because you know like otherwise the grass is greener where you water it right exactly. so if it's just the things about your current life are making you miserable probably try to fix those things first exactly before 100%. moving 100 i yeah. think one of the things that has gotten me through what you've just said mm. is you grow where you planted yeah and i think realizing what those reasons are really actually sitting down writing them down thinking is this for my future is mm. this for a bit of fun mm. is this to travel a bit more mm. kind of figuring out like what are you doing yeah it's very important than just upping and moving because yeah. like you said your problems are going to follow you totally totally i think it's really hard you know i, I always you know i wish so hard i think we all do that you could s- see a simulation of all the different parallel paths that your lives could take and then you could see you know this is what your life would look like if you stayed this is what it would look like if you did this if you dated this person all these different things and then you could choose the objectively right thing to do but you just can't you know like you have to make all of the biggest decisions in your life under conditions of extreme uncertainty um so I think in general something that served me is choosing the things that are going to make my life bigger like the things where I know that I'm going to learn from the experience. Cape Town was magical, but I knew what my life would look like if I stayed there for the, the next five years after that, you know? Yeah. Um, and for me, I think, you know, I'm not committed. I'm not certain I'm going to stay in the UK forever. And I think that's also something that's cool is to know that it's okay to go for a while and come back. Going and coming back is not the same as having never gone. You know, you're exactly. just you're still learning something. But it, it's hard. It's very complicated, a choice. Yeah. As you know. Yeah. So speaking of choices, there is a chapter in the book where you speak about the right age to move. Mm. Now, I am 22 plus three. Mm -hmm. So do the math. (laughs) But I tell people that I'm still 22 because I was 22 during COVID. But I'm 22 Mm. plus three. Whatever age you think that might be, that is how old I am. (laughs) And there's a lot of us that are in our 20s that are looking to move Mm. and you know, that have made that move. There's a fortune of us just within this year mm. that have made the, uh, that move in our 20s. Mm. So what would you say is the right age to move? Is it in your 20s, in your 30s, when you've got a bit more experience, maybe in your 40s when you have more money, mm. but you have a family? So mm. what is the right age to move? That's a really good question. And I, I, I think that there are pros and cons of different age, right? So I think 22 plus three is probably the perfect age. Okay. Although I think it, I think the plus three, I think COVID years are like dog years. Exactly. It's like you're basically 45, you know, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I mean, I would have gone backwards and said that I'm basically 18. 18, yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I think early 20s are great. Um, I think you're kind of, you're exploring so much of who you are. Um, it's easier to make friends in your early 20s. It gets a bit harder when you get older. You kind of just are more crotchety, I think. Um, I think yeah. <laughs> Definitely kids complicate things, but also don't necessarily. So there's a section in the book where I particularly talk about ages to move with kids. And I think there, some things to be aware of are that the first couple of years, it's very hard because childcare is so expensive. So I've got a few friends, I'm in my late 30s. I have a few friends who moved over and then immediately produced heirs and all of them were like, oh my goodness, I wish we'd stayed in South Africa for two more years and then come over because you can't afford domestic labor at all. 
So it's very overwhelming. And you also don't have a support system generally when you first move over. Moving with teenagers is also hard because they're very serious about exams and it can be a bit disruptive. Um, So they're teenagers. They're teenagers. Also, they're terrible people and you don't want to spend time with them anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Teenagers are horrible. But teenagers in the UK are even worse. They're feral. They're actually feral. Don't mess with the teenagers in the UK. They will stab you. They really, really might. Um, yeah. So, I mean, look, I mean, my, my father-in-law moved in his mid-60s and he's actually adapted like a total champ. So, and that upended my assumptions about things. So I don't think that there's ever a bad time to move if moving is the right choice for you. I think we get very stuck often thinking about, oh, I wish I had made different choices when I was younger, but don't think about, hey, you still actually have so many choices available to you. So yeah, I think early 20s is easier. Mid-30s also had advantages though, because as you said, you know, we had a little bit more money, which made things a bit easier in some ways. But, you know, I I don't have kids, which definitely was simpler, but I have the world's most uh, difficult cat, which complicated life. Anyway, don't have a cat, don't have kids. So (laughs) that chapter did not apply to me, but I can only imagine how Mm. difficult it is because I do have a few friends that have moved with their parents Mm. and that was way back when, you know, maybe eight years ago, whatever the story, the story was. But I think having that kind of stress, knowing how stressful it is moving, Mm. even in your 20s, taking two suitcases and a carry-on, that was all I was allowed, (laughs) having to move your entire life, Mm. whether it be you're taking boxes, you're Mm. taking your Mm. furniture, which I know you advise not to do. Yeah, no. (laughs) You guys can see that if you read the book. (laughs) That is some good advice Mm. in your 20s. So for the 20-year-olds listening to this, it's the time to go explore, man. Yeah. Soho on a Saturday night is very fun. (laughs) So speaking of people in their 20s, a lot of people go there for an opportunity, mm. whether it be a job opportunity, which most that's most likely the case. Mm-hmm. And there's a chapter in the book where you speak about getting visas, which yeah. is the, I think, more the basics that you have to actually get done before you move to the UK. I mean, it's all airy-fairy moving and saying, oh, I want to go live in London. Mm-hmm. I want to go walk the streets of Chelsea. You need a visa. Yeah. <laughs> And if you don't have a visa, you need a passport. Mm, mm. So I'm very blessed that I have a passport. Oh, amazing. But when you do see a fellow South African in the streets, they, the question is, how did you get here? Yeah. How yeah, did yeah. you get here? So walk us through that process of obtaining a visa yeah. and finding a job. And getting those basics out the way. So the basics, basics, yeah. So I find it deeply unjust that, you know, where your grandparents happened to have sex (laughs) determines what countries you live in. I just think it's one of the most deeply unjust things about the world. The way that most South Africans get to the UK these days is on a work visa, as you said. So how you do that is, so I have a website called thenewcomersclub.com and there's a whole bunch of free stuff on there, free resources. One of the resources on that page is, uh, if you just look at the visas page, you basically go on this thing called the ONS search tool and you type in your job and you get something called the occupation code. You can be quite specific. So if you're like, I'm a TikToker, you know, you'll type in TikToker and it'll be like, okay, we actually categorize that as a, as like content production or whatever, you know. And then you go onto the skilled visa list and see if it qualifies. And luckily, actually, I was very impressed by the breadth of jobs that qualify for skilled visas. There are a lot of like uh, blue collar jobs, basically, that qualify. So plumbers, electricians, 
antiques dealers. I know is on there. Personal assistance is on there. It's so um, interesting. It's actually really broad. So really, really broad. Yeah. As well as obviously uh, they have special visas. They, they're desperately recruiting healthcare workers, care workers and teachers. It's actually, there's a lot of things on that list. If you do qualify, then you have to find a job with someone who can sponsor your visa. And that's basically how most South Africans who don't have some kind of ancestral way to get there, that's how most of us are getting over now. That's so fascinating because I think Many people think, oh, you have to be an AXA or you Posty, have to be a programmer. Yeah, something yep. really skillful mm. to obtain these visas. But mm. it's actually you need to find a company that is willing and able to sponsor you. And the unemployment rate in the UK is 4%. So there actually are a lot of jobs <laughs> which is going, which is, you know, very different. Make sure you keep it, guys, <laughs> because if you follow me on Instagram, you would mm. know that I did lose my job after two months. So that is one of the downsides of the yeah. of the worker visa. And I've had friends in the situation where if something goes wrong with your job or if you hate your job, it's actually quite difficult then, you know, you're a little bit stuck mm. in that situation, which is which is a bit yeah. yeah. And there's no um like CCMA to kind of help you get out of it. If you're oh, no. retrenched, ciao bella. Yeah, no, one of the many things I miss, amazing labor laws. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I think that's one of the beauties in South Africa is that, yes, there's these issues and there's these mm. problems and, mm. okay, we have no electricity for 10 hours and mm. X, Y, Z, but we are very well taken care of in the mm. terms of our, how do you describe Our it? rights. Our yeah. rights. Yeah. yeah. It's a very progressive country and, you know, in its bones. Yes. Um, in a way that the UK is just really not. It's like literally a monarchy, which is bizarre. <laughs> Like I'm I'm hopefully gonna get my UK passport in a couple of years and they literally make you stand in front of a picture of the king and sway your allegiance. I'm like, oh, this feels very weird. That is very weird. Yeah. Speaking of people in the UK, your first first before you even start writing the book, yeah. you speak about your Tesco experience. <laughs> Do you want to kind of walk us through how you survive that? I see that Tesco comes up a lot on your TikToks, and I, 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 we I love, love Tesco. a Tesco. <laughs> I call I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I call it testies. <laughs> um, Tesco's is my favorite place. Yeah, I think the UK is expensive. Don't get me wrong, the UK mm-hmm. is expensive. Yeah, I do find that going into Tesco's, you can get a good grocery shopping for a good ten to twelve pounds. Mm-hmm. Tesco's, you get your Tesco's club card, you get your discounts, whatever that it may be. meal deal. No one listening to this podcast who's oh. not been to the UK knows what we're talking about. <laughs> but for those that have, you know what we're talking about, yeah, you yeah, get yeah. it. That meal deal sustains me, man. <laughs> those, like, they, that and, and like Lidl's weird homeware aisle in the middle <laughs> where you can, which just feels like rummaging around your dad's garage, you know, you like you might find just this weird stuff you find in there. Yeah. So... Good. Yep. So good. Yeah. So speak us through that experience. And I think also the the stuff we spoke about of having to actually relearn how to be an adult. Oh or my goodness. Actually how to not even an adult, just a person. Yeah. My how to goodness. Live. So that anecdote I remember. So I have the most impeccable sense of timing in, yep. in history. So I landed in the UK on the twentieth of January. 2020. Amazing. Not having a clue what was in store for me. So I had, and I was also, I was on book deadline. I had a deadline two weeks after we moved and I thought this will be fine because I'll just arrive and put my head down and work. So I arrived. We didn't have a shred of furniture in an unfurnished flat because that's all we'd been able to find. So me and my laptop, I was like sometimes sitting on the floor with my laptop for two weeks hunched over or I was sitting on the stairs and it was 
mid-January, so it was so cold. So I just like wrapped every piece of clothing around me. It was so grim. I was there in January 2020 as well. Yeah. A little bit different. I was on my gap year. Okay. My gap two months okay. because I had to obviously fly home because of COVID. COVID yeah. And that's why I'm still 22. <laughs> nice to have the time back. Anyway, so I was like, I had the two the two weeks and I was like, I got the deadline in. And then I thought, oh, yeah, okay, finally I can start exploring. Yay. And then everything went into lockdown. <laughs> so yeah. I remember, so the, the Tesco story that opens the book, I so clearly remember this. I, it was only a couple of weeks after moving and I, it was freezing and I was really sad and really lonely and I missed everyone and I was having real like, what have I done with my life, you know, worries. I'm there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know the pit. I was in the pit. Um, and the only thing that was sustaining me are these cookies that I'm obsessed with that are uh, chocolate digestive biscuits. They're they are so the best. Good. They're actually the best thing the UK ever produced. Truly. Really? Yeah. There's the Beatles and you know, chocolate digestive biscuits, basically. Um, <laughs> okay. So I was standing at the Tesco and I was trying to buy some. And essentially, this was my, they were my emotional support biscuits. They were the last thing standing between me and an absolute breakdown. And I just couldn't figure out how to buy them because in most Tesco's in the UK, they mostly have self service checkout now because, you know, it's too expensive to pay people living wage. The robots are very complicated and I couldn't figure out how so it works. So hard. complicated. <laughs> so and there was only one that was working and so I had this queue of people that was just getting longer and longer and longer behind me and I just remember they were all sort of glaring death at me you know and then no one can glare like an angry British person who's upset about queue etiquette yeah. and man and I just stood there and eventually I, I tried to buy these biscuits for like 15 minutes eventually threw them down and ran out the store because I just couldn't figure Bless out you. how to literally pay money for the biscuits and that I, I remember that just feeling like the lowest moment where I was like I don't know how to do anything yeah anything so having said all of that yeah how did you Bounce back. How did you yeah. basically learn how to be a person in the UK? Trial and error and kind friends who <laughs> took me took me through things. I, so it took me about I I think it took me about nine months before I kind of got back to a normal level of baseline happiness, basically. Okay. I'm generally quite a cheerful person. Those nine months were really hard. And it's hard to differentiate what, what was COVID, what was, you know, moving. Yeah. But it took about nine months. And it only, and it, it took longer. I think it took about three years before the UK started to actually feel like my home. Um, and now it does. And it feels like I have two homes in a way that's, you know, kind of incredibly magical. Like I feel when I come here, I just feel like I'm cracked open with love. You know, I'm just yeah. like, it's so good to be home. But I now get that feeling when I go back to London as well. And I mean, what a privilege to love two places and to have people that you love in two places. It's kind of magical, but that took about three years before I was like, I actually love this place. It's not just something I'm enduring because I feel like it's going to be good for me. Basically, you're telling me I have another five months and three years <laughs> to smile again. <laughs> no, five months I'm till you kidding. smile again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was a joke. If you guys follow me on TikTok, I actually do. There are beautiful things about the UK that, yeah. that you do learn to love. Exactly. You do learn to love. Foxes, hedgehogs. Walking around the city at night, walking around the countryside exactly. at night by yourself. Exactly. I think as a girl, we would know, you mm. know, that 
that safety that you feel of just like going out mm. and you can walk alone on the streets, you can have your phone. I mean, not not to say that there's no safety issues there. Of oh. course there is. You have to be. There are teenagers. There's teenagers. <laughs> You've got to be aware. There's teenagers <laughs> and there's the NAPAs that you have to, you know, be, just be a vigilant. Yeah. But I think that's one of the beauties of just. <laughs> oh, my God. Do I have a NAPA story Ooh, tell us your NAPA story. So my friend says to me, do you want to go to Soho House? Mm. And you know. Wait, do you want to explain what Soho House is? Okay. Soho House, for all my friends out there, is a members club. Mm. And basically, it's very exclusive. You have to be invited into the house. It's where models and influencers and uh, film stars hang out in the city. Exactly. Yes. So me yeah. and all of the, all of the above. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. No. So basically, my friend says to me, do you want to go to Soho House? And if you get invited to Soho House, you drop everything and you go. Mm-hmm. So we're on our way to Soho House. And <laughs> the funniest thing about the story is that I catch the bus to go to Soho <laughs> And I catch the bus to get home from Soho House. Perfect. And the people that are there do not catch buses no. to get into, into the house. Anyway, we go to this comedy show and everything's it's just a great night. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, let me catch the night bus for the first time to go home. Sitting on the night bus. So the night bus, for listeners, it's yeah. the after the regular public transport system in London stops. Yes. It's the only way you can get to the outer zones of London. But imagine, I mean, it's just, it's bedlam. It's There's like a, a, a puddle of vomit that swishes up and down the center of the bus. There are people in all states of intoxication yeah. and undress often. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, I didn't get anyone that undressed, mm-hmm. but... I did get a few. I got the teenagers. Oh, I got the teenagers. So I got the worst of the worst. Mm. So I'm sitting on the night bus and I think it's about 12 o'clock at night or just past 12 because I think that's when the night bus kicks in. Kicks in. Yeah. So I'm sitting on the night bus. Not that I'm drunk or anything. I'm just, I want to get home. Mm. That's my main thing is that I want to get home. We stop at the bus stop. I call it the bus station because I'm still new to all of this. We stop at the bus station and these two teenagers, bless them, get on the bus and start arguing. Over what? Who knows? The one thing about the UK that you should know is that people do not, that people mind their business. Mm. If something is going on, mm. they are minding their business. Mm. No one's getting up to complain. To an incredible degree. Like the rapture could be happening around you. Every every British person would just be like, this is not my problem. I'm just going to continue. I don't see that many headed demon coming out of the sky. I'm going to work. Yeah. They've invented the not my monkey, not my circus. I find it very admirable. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. But now I am not British (laughs) by culture. I'm a South African Jew. Mm. So if something is inconveniencing me, especially past 12 o'clock at night when I want to get home (laughs) and I'm wearing heels, Mm. I will say something. Mm -hmm. So the kids are fighting. What are they fighting about? Who knows? Unclear. Who knows? Screaming, shouting, back and forth. The one girl's at the back of the bus. The kid's like blocking the doors so the doors can't open and close. Oh, hectic, yeah. What does bus driver do? He's hanging. <laughs> bus driver is sitting. He's minding his own business. He's minding yeah. his business. He's thinking these are not my kids. <laughs> yeah. Not my problem. Yeah. We're your parents. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there watching this. At first, it was quite entertaining. I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, the drama, what's happening here? <laughs> and then it got to a point where it was like, we could be here for hours. Mm. So I get up. So first I say to the girl behind me, I'm like, girl, 
sort this kid out. I say, he obviously wants something from you. Can you just maybe sort this out off the bus? Mm, It's very mm, kind about it. mm, mm. She goes, not my problem. (laughs) So I said to her, I think it is your problem. (laughs) So she goes, not my problem. Not my problem. Not my problem, babe. So I was like, okay. So I get up and I go to the bus driver. I say, bus driver, can you maybe sort this out? He starts calling the police. Mm. Oh, yeah. So I'm thinking, yeah, that's going to help. The police are going to come. What arrest these kids? Long story short, you know, there's two entrances of the bus. So yep. basically, there is a front entrance where people get onto the bus and there's like a middle entrance where people can get off. The kid comes to the back of the entrance, basically takes his Gatorade, Fanta, whatever it was, sprays it all over the skull, oh, no. all over everyone sitting <laughs> oh, on the bus. Oh, no. Um, Including no. you in your Soho house outfit. No. That's the thing. You no. think I went to Soho with old clothes? No. I just bought this nice new white lace top. Oh, no. All over my white lace top. This is, this is, these are the hazards and perils of the night bus. Yeah. So long story short, kids, if you want to get home from Soho House, <laughs> don't take the night bus. Take an Uber. <laughs> it is worth it. I, I mean, honestly, like I love taking the bus in London because it is the cheapest entertainment. I once saw a man with a full human sized plastic skeleton sit the skeleton <laughs> on his lap and sing ABBA songs to it the whole way back from Bethnal Green. Nice it was, one. I was just like, you know, and it wasn't even the weirdest thing I saw in Hackney. But <laughs> this is also like, this is, these are Hackney stories. We play this game where we're like, um, what is the weirdest person that we see just walking? around the neighborhood like every week two weeks ago just before just before i flew down to south africa we saw a person on a unicycle with an extra long hockey stick and he told us he was coming back from unicycle hockey and we're like cool that's the winner of this that's week fine. obviously widow of the week no 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 next day we're walking around a park and we saw this man taking his pet out for a walk and showing it the trees and the pet was a very fat chicken on his shoulder and he was just like vibing with his chicken so yeah london That is London. Mm. This is London, as we say. (laughs) Speaking of this is London. Now, we have just both come back for a couple of days, couple of weeks. I'm actually back off to the UK tomorrow. Wish me luck. Mm -hmm. When am I coming back to South Africa? Who knows? Who knows? What do you miss most about South Africa? I guess when you leave and you come back, there are a multitude of things Mm. that are just so South African that you just don't get there. Absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, what I miss are my friends and family. Of course. You know, fundamentally, uh, they're pretty good. Yeah. I like them quite a lot. That is a good one. Yeah, very good by far. Um, I really miss, I think I just miss, I miss South Africans in general as well. Like we're just very good. Although, I mean, you don't really have to miss South Africans in London. You can just hang out with South Africans. Africans were like 40% of the population, it feels. You literally are. <laughs> I miss nature, I think is the thing. I think that one of the things about England in general is it's been cultivated for so long that there is no actual wildness left, really. So even if you go into the countryside, it's very beautiful. There's rolling fields. Um, they have a lot of beautiful gardens. They're they're basically hobbits, is, is how I've come to understand the English people. But there are very few places that are actually wild, wild spaces. I found odd little little valleys and stuff in like Wales mostly and Scotland has some places that still feel wild. But I used to, I mean, especially like a Cape Town thing, you know, you, you we were so spoiled. You go yeah. out your front door and you're in proper nature yeah. in five minutes. And I used to love hiking. And I've tried very hard to find good hikes in the UK. It doesn't, doesn't exist. No. Someone invited me to a hike. Yeah. I think we had to catch a train. That's another thing is that if you want to go hiking, if you want to do something fun, Mm. you'll be traveling for at least two hours to get somewhere fun. Yeah. 
Um, so to answer his question, I said, no, thank you, mm-hmm. but thank you. Thank you, but no, but Thanks also like my, my standards for hikes as a South African, of like course. you're just not going to, you're not going to match them. No way. <laughs> no, it's not oh possible. My... When but... hikes are the only thing that you can do when you're in Cape Town, <laughs> I think I'm going to go and travel for two hours for hikes. No, exactly. But I think this is in general, a thing I've learned is you've kind of, whenever you move wherever, you have to learn to love the place on its own terms. For like sure. I think where you set yourself up for unhappiness is to try to replicate what you loved about home in the other place like you can't if you try to find you know hikes in the UK you're just going to be constantly sad Um, but there are things that you can only get in the UK that you can't get in South Africa so love those things you know Absolutely. That's yeah. so true. Because mm. there is so many things about the UK that's that's pure magic. Very lovable. I mean we I think like we were saying before the podcast even started that we are so spoiled for choice here yeah and we are so privileged when we grow up in Mm. just terms of like seeing the sun every day Mm. or you know driving your car going to get something and just getting in your car i think Mm. those things that we take for granted Mm. you don't get in the uk but there's so many other things that you can get that you can't get here yeah that you know you just have to take everything in your stride and i think going back to your very first point of like why am i here Mm. what Mm. am i doing yeah that will keep you going. Yes. Yeah. I think I need to get that like written on my arm. Well, I think actually like one of the things that really helped me is I actually wrote, I made a list, right? And in, when I was in the pitch, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I could go and like reread that list and remind myself like I'd, I'd, I'd sort of imagined like these are the days if I picture being happy in the UK and kind of what I what I hope for, this is what I imagine my life will, would look like. And yeah. I, you know, I go and read that sometimes when things are bad. That's amazing. Yeah. So, okay, so now you have your visas, Mm -hmm. you have your house, Mm -hmm. you figure it out where you want to live, you figure it out, okay, you want to work, you want to do this, A, B, and C, now what? Now, how do you go about actually enjoying your new life in the UK. So so that, okay, so chapter, th- so the, how the book is structured, chapter one is deciding to move, chapter two is actually doing the move. So that's all the stuff like visas, finding a job, packing up your, your stuff, all of that, getting your plugs. kids over. Plugs. <laughs> Very <laughs> plugs. important to know about the plugs. Well, it's I think that's part of knowing like what to bring and what not to bring. So chapter three is kind of like the first couple of months when you're just kind of setting up your life it's the basics like how to how to open a bank account all of that kind of thing and then chapter four is kind of now where you are right so now it's like okay you've got the bank account i think you've got a bank yes. account yes you've like you've figured, got the monzo. You figured out you got the monzo you figured out how to get around you you're functioning as a person but that's about it's called a path back to happiness and that's about like how do you how do you be happy in the uk and I think in general, that thing I was saying earlier about you have to love it on its own terms, I think is kind of my my big thing. Uh, so one of my favorite things that was really fun to put together is sort of like a little a little almanac of the year. One of the things I really love about the UK is it has four very distinct seasons. And yes. I, I hated that at first. Now I've come to really, really love it. Autumn is my favorite, favorite season. I'm obsessed. Can we just Have you had an autumn that? yet? You no. haven't had one yet. It's magic. I'm just going into that. I was just saying on my Instagram that I'm so excited to actually go back because it's autumn yeah. and it's pumpkin season. Oh, and it's so cozy. Everything gets cozy. And but it's not too cold. It's not too cold. But all the plants and trees like change color. Um, it's just magical. It's my favorite, favorite time of the year. Um, also, vegetables are just amazing. There's like apples falling down from apple trees everywhere. It's wonderful. Oh, good. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Um, or not. I don't know. Um, I think I will. I think I will. I've got myself a pair of Uggs. Yeah. Got to get which, those Uggs. 
I'm so pleased they're back. Yeah, me too. Are they? <laughs> Chunky ones. Yeah, we're Gives you a bit of heart. That's so nice. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's kind of like finding what you love out of all the different times. Obviously, the other big thing is making friends makes life much, much easier and Absolutely. much better. Yeah. Absolutely. I also think going there with a bit of a support system, even if it's Huge. just one person that you know. Yeah. Lean into that. Mm-hmm. Rely on that one person. Go and glom on like a barnacle. Yes. Yes. Until they literally like kick you away from them. Exactly. Yeah. That was that was also one of the things I said is if you know a single person in the UK, move as close to them as you physically can. Sure. That should trump any other decision about where in the UK you live because just having one person who can like open up the UK for you makes such a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, the one of the ways I made friends is, mm. I mean, through my Instagram and through my TikTok, which is this amazing platform, which has given me so much. But another way is through the gym. Yeah. Honestly, like People sign up quite, for ClassPass, yeah. Yeah. get yourself a little bit of a membership, a subscription, and go to these classes, go to the Soul Cycle, go to Barry's. And there's so many people there that have the same interest as totally. you. And that's how you make friends as an adult. When yeah. you have someone that has the same interest of, as you. Yeah. You can really find a good friend in that. And people are quite open, I find, in, in those kind of situations as well. I have a trainer named Molly. She's wonderful. Uh, she is the most Essex person I have ever met in my whole life. In that she <laughs> like she comes to the gym and she's like full makeup, full hair, amazing long nails, but she's a freaking badass. She's amazing. And she she takes all of her first dates to the gym because she said to me, like, if they can't keep up, what's even the point, babe? I'm just what? like, I a love queen. you. You're a queen. <laughs> obsessed with her oh amazing no i think that's another uh, a bit of a war perception that people have of the uk is that people are actually friendly they're so lovely people are friendly and there's so many people that are actually in the same position as you Mm. maybe they've moved from south africa but there's so many people that have moved from different countries that have come into london Mm. that want to connect and want to want to be friends with you Mm. i think People find South Africans very fascinating. Mm. Our accents are fascinating. How we are as people fascinates them. We're so friendly. So don't be shy to actually just put yourself out there. I mean, the UK has a lot of events where people go and make friends. Yeah, meetup.com is like actually a thing there. Totally. There we go. Which is weird, yeah. So having said that, what do you think are some of the myths about the UK? Hmm. So I'm going to say this and then immediately kind of contradict myself, but the weather is not as bad as you think it's going to be, I find. Okay. Or it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. This year's summer has been absolute pants. It's been awful. awful. The worst summer ever. (laughs) Um, But every other summer I've had so far has actually been four months of delightful 30 to 35 degrees, sunny every day magic. Yeah. April spritz in the park, G&T and Pims on the barge. It's magic. Absolutely is magic. so good. Oh, Pims I is was introduced to Pims yeah. this year at the yeah. Harry Styles concert and I was like, well, what am I drinking? Is this alcohol <laughs> or is more, this apple juice? More. <laughs> I was like, can I have another one of those? Yeah, Whatever so that is. It's also, but also summer, the sun only sets at like 11. So you have this whole extra day after your work day, like yeah. a bonus day for fun. Yeah. And, it's, and, and in summer brits go hard because they know it's temporary right the converse of that is so the cold i've realized actually is not a problem especially having lived in i lived in joburg for like 10 years i was so much colder in joburg in winter than i've ever been in the uk really? because central heating oh so of course joburg is just joburg gets as cold but just has no way of coping with it yeah. right and it's the same where it's the opposite way. Yeah. When it gets too hot, the UK does has no clue Can't how cope. to deal with no, it. There's not a single aircon in the whole country. Yeah. It feels. Yeah. If you have an aircon, 
girls, if you find a guy with an aircon in his place, <laughs> marry him immediately. It doesn't matter. You sort it. But I mean, the thing that is much worse than I realized is the the light in winter. The fact that the sun sets at four, it's terrible. It's a real nightmare. But then you realize, again, you learn to love the place on its own terms. How you deal with that is you just leave the country in winter, which is what the That is do, the beauty. And you come home. Yeah. That is the beauty. I find that when you are people that live in the UK, a lot of them don't want to actually live in the UK, yeah. but travel is so accessible. Mm. So if you ask someone what they're doing on the weekend, going to Spain. Mm. Another person's going to Portugal. It's easier for some of us with uh, who, are, who are blessed enough to have that lovely passport. Some of us <laughs> yes. on a green mamba have to apply for a Schengen every time we want to go to Europe, which is really irritating. I see. <laughs> yes. Enjoy um, your privilege is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I did lose my job for two months, so travel wasn't even an option. The yeah. only place I was traveling to was up and down to Tesco's. Oh. <laughs> but, and on the night bus. And on the night for bus. For a wild adventure. Of course, yeah. that's the thing. Just to kind of finish off, I think, what is your kind of closing, almost like, how would you leave someone who's in this position of, I want to move? Mm. Why would they be picking up this book? Mm. What is the kind of the end crux of moving to the UK as a South African? Sure. What a question. Um, so I think that I wrote this book for my friends who moved to the UK after me because it was so hard for me and I, it felt unnecessarily hard in some ways. Like if there had just been a guidebook, I could have missed some of the, the mistakes. But I also wrote it for people who are not sure if this is something that they want to be doing. It, it's such a thing, you know, that people are talking about at the moment. And I think what I want to sort of explain and show people is it's really not a simple solution to all of your problems. Absolutely, It is very hard. It costs so much. I am so grateful that I did it. It was the right choice for me, but it is not the right choice for everyone. And if you are thinking about it, have a compelling reason it's been worth it, but it's also been one of the most costly, emotionally things I've ever done. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's that trade-off that mm. you're trading off this life that you've built or want to build in South Africa, or maybe you can't, yeah. for another life in a different country. And it's, exactly. there's pros and cons to everything, whether yeah. you're moving to the UK, mm, whether you're moving else. to America, yeah. it's all pretty much the same. So Sam, thank you for this guide. Thank you, Jenna. For the girlies that are... And the boys that are <laughs> looking to move to the UK, this is a, an amazing guide. Honestly, I highly recommend this for anyone. Thank you. Whether you're not even moving to the UK. Yeah, just read it for the jokes. <laughs> so tell us how we find more of you. Are you on Instagram? Uh, I, website? As a geriatric millennial, um, my main form of contact, believe it or not, is email. Um, so Amazing. I have an email newsletter. <laughs> like, like it's, so they had telegram pigeons and then the development of that was this thing called email. Um, must check that out. Yeah, it's, it's going to be the hot new thing. Um, so I have an email newsletter that I send out uh, kind of whenever I remember to. And that's actually my my favorite way of staying in touch with people. I'm trying to be on TikTok. It's a it's like when your gran is trying to figure out TikTok. It's it's not cute. <laughs> but basically, sambicbessinger.com is the best way to find me. If you particularly are interested in moving to the UK stuff, then the newcomers club. So it's newcomers-club.com. That is where you can find resources specifically about moving to the UK and where you can come and there's also some chat areas so you can meet other people who have actually moved. Amazing. Unbelievable. And for those that are on TikTok, 
And Sam on Instagram. Beck Bessinger, I think. Or just Beck Bessinger, maybe. Amazing. I don't even know. This is how bad I am at TikTok. Well, if you wanna if you wanna find any videos of South Africans on TikTok, you can follow me. At Who's Jen much Burks. better at TikTok than I am. <laughs> That's where you'll find Day in the Lives of South Africans living in the UK, how much money I spend in the UK because it is really expensive. Mm. And on Instagram at Jenna Babes with a Z. Sam, thank you so much for this. Thank you. This is amazing. <laughs> Ciao. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of PageCast. We love hearing from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, please contact us at pagecastpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep reading and listening. <laughs>